How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. I mean, I love the Beastie Boys laying under the track here, but I was, I, I, where's, where's the Saturday open? Where's the, you know, Vern Lundquist or something or something like that? You just didn't, you didn't want to play any sound bites. You don't want to play any really cool stuff today, Brayton. You've been, you've been here all morning. You're like, uh, screw it with this guy. We're just going to play some music. Oh no, not at all. I'm not, I'm not having that mentality. Okay. All right. That's all right. I just, you have been here all morning though. You have had a good morning, get a good couple hours early on. Yeah. Yeah, right? Absolutely. And then the, the high school guys came in. This was a packed studio when I walked in here. Like there, were, there, were guys a lot, in here. there were a lot of people in here. And they're all really, you know, good high school football players and a couple coaches. And I walked in and they and they hadn't left yet. And I needed to sit down. And I said to them, I would kick all of you out of the studio right now, but I think you could all beat me up. So I'm not going to really try and do that. I wouldn't mess with some of them. No, guys. they're pretty big dudes. Pretty cool, though. Congratulations to, to those young men. Uh, they'll be playing in the All-Star Game, and good job by the uh, high school show before this to kind of have them in here and talk about it, a bunch of them, and what's going on with that. So yesterday, so much for a slow news day on a Friday in the middle of summer. And I know typically sometimes Friday is a news dump day. You could have said maybe it did occur because of that. A lot of times organizations will put news out that's negative on a Friday because that's when people are taking off work early, going out of town for the weekend. They're just putting work behind them. They don't want to talk about it. It doesn't hit the news cycle as hard. I'm not sure if that's the case with Brady. I think that was him just saying maybe maybe he decided that. Maybe that was calculated by him, by the way, on a Friday. Uh, and then Carlos Williams came down, but that's also something the NFL has done in the past is kind of announced things like that on Fridays. So yesterday was a day where, you know, I'm bumping around, reading some things at home, watching TV. I was watching some of the stuff on the France attack. I was flipping between that and NFL Network on the uh, uh, watching. What, what did they have on there? I think they're having hard knocks on at the time. One of the replays and the Brady news comes down. I'm like, whoa, here we go. Brady is dropping all of his legal uh, avenues here. He's going to sit four games. This is big news for the Bills. They play in week four. And just as I get through all of that, boom, Carlos Williams suspended four games, violating the league's substance abuse policy. So, so much for a slow news day on a Friday in the middle of summer. So here we are today. Exactly, by the way, four weeks away from the Bills' first preseason game. And that will take place at home against the Indianapolis Colts on August 13th. We are, as my countdown on Twitter reminds you every day, yes, I've been doing this since day 99. 57 days remaining. 
today, another countdown. By the way, if you don't if you don't know, you should go check it out. You might learn something about the Bills. I think it's kind of cool. I do interesting random facts every day, counting down to the uh, first regular season game. And today's was <laughs> 57 is today's day till the opening game against the Ravens. And 57 is also the number of rushing touchdowns O.J. Simpson scored in a Bills uniform. So every day it's something different. But if you do follow that and you you kind of think it's kind of stupid or whatever, just so you know, it happens pretty much every day at 8 o'clock. You can unfollow or mute me at that time because that's when I do it. But I think it's cool to learn something, a little little random trivia every day about the Bills with that. But if you do follow and you do see that, and even if you don't know it, I'll tell you now, there's 57 days remaining until the Bills hit the field in Baltimore week one against the Ravens. They will not have Carlos Williams with them in that game. They won't have him week two against the Jets. They won't have him week three against the Arizona Cardinals. And they won't have him week four against the New England Patriots at New England. Suddenly, the Bills' running back position goes from what I actually called a few days ago and tweeted out when we heard that LaShawn McCoy was officially not going get, to have any league uh, discipline come down from his altercation a few months ago. I said when that happened, hey, the Bills actually have a, a good-looking stable of running backs here they can choose from, and guys that they're going to have to choose as the number two, three, and four guys most likely out of six on the roster there's going to be two guys probably without jobs well now all of a sudden right after that Jonathan Williams the rookie gets a DWI in Arkansas and then a couple of days later one day later right it was things we learned Thursday about Jonathan Williams it was overnight Wednesday to Thursday and then one day later Carlos Williams gets suspended for the violating the substance abuse policy suddenly now and by the way and LaShawn McCoy is no spring chicken he's not old but he's not super young you're not going to be wearing him down a lot in preseason. you got to keep him fresh. And the running back situation now looks like, hey, what are you doing here? But there's a bigger picture here. And I want to start with Carlos Williams and his offseason and where this team is right now, not necessarily because Carlos Williams is any sort of deal breaker as far as how many wins they're going to have. I don't think that this is a guy that's going to be the difference between them making the playoffs or not. He could help them. There's no doubt. But I also think other guys like Mike Gillisley can step up for four weeks and do some good things like he did last year. But I'm disappointed. I mean, I'm really disappointed in Carlos Williams. And here's a guy who showed up on the scene last year as a fifth round pick. Did he, I think he tied the NFL record for consecutive games scoring a touchdown to open a, a career. I think it was tying the record. And he had a chance to break it. He didn't. I could be wrong on that. He might have fell one short. But either way, he opened up his first, what, six games, I think, of his NFL career scoring a touchdown, five, six games. And was doing some really great things. And then when LaShawn went out, uh, he had he was a guy that we said, hey, look at what this guy can do, backing up LaShawn. When LaShawn's out, you know, he's a guy you can rely on, but then he gets concussion. I think it was the Giants game was the week after that. And rolling into the offseason, we felt pretty darn good, I think, about where the one and two running backs were. Then he just doesn't show up for any of the voluntary OTA or minicamp stuff. And even though he's all over social media, and then he shows up, finally, to the mandatory minicamp, totally out of uh, over totally out of shape and overweight. And according to his head coach, really overweight. Doesn't even get to participate in any of the team drills. 
But to Carlos, it was no big deal. It was, ah, I was home, my wife's pregnant, and I'm eating because she's eating. Which, okay, I mean, I, I understand that. It happens. I can totally understand that. But it's still, to me, not a worthy enough excuse of why you shouldn't be in shape for practice. But I understand. You're a rookie. It's your first offseason. You've never been through the drill before to get ready. So I, I, I can see where that can happen. And I'm willing to forgive and understand. Well, then we find out violating substance abuse. And, of course, you can make whatever correlation you want and connection you want. It's it's I can do that here as a host today, say, hey, are we talking about marijuana? Because that's why and he, he, he was smoking and he had the munchies, and that's part of the reason he got bigger and he got fatter and he got overweight. That's very, very possibly true. And I can speculate like that. As a reporter, I have a responsibility to make sure I don't say that that's the case if I don't know, and I don't know. We don't. We don't exactly know what it was. I'm assuming that could very well be what it is, but we don't know until anyone tells us. I will tell you, though, if it is PEDs, that would be a little bit weird, right? Because PEDs would be something you'd do to stay in shape, not be out of shape. And it would make more sense that it's more recreational and maybe marijuana than it is PEDs. Again, I don't know. That would just make more sense. A lot of you have obviously picked up on that. It's not a, it's not a hard link to make. And I got a lot of that yesterday on Twitter as well. But there is a difference in the ramifications of whether it's PEDs or recreational, if you will, marijuana or something else. And the difference is, according to the CBA, the way I understand it, because sometimes these things can trip you up. There's lots of legalese in there and things that kind of contradict each other, it seems, when you read it. But I I think this is the case from what I understand in the CBA. If you are suspended for less than a year for violating the league's substance abuse policy, which, Carlos, is less than a year, four weeks. If you're suspended for less than a year, if it is PEDs, you are not allowed to be at the team facility, in meetings, around the team, have contact with them during your suspension. If your violation is of a substance abuse nature, but it's not PEDs, you are allowed to be at the facility. You are allowed to be in team meetings. You can't practice, I don't think, with the team, but you can do that. So there is a distinction there, and I would hope, and I think it is good for the league to allow guys who do have an issue with any sort of substance abuse violation to be able to be with their team. I I think a structured environment is good around teammates, around people who care, around people they can you know, keep you insulated with to help you work through your problem. That's always good. So at least I, I hope that's the case and he can do that. Tom Brady, by the way, cannot be with the Patriots. He is not. That suspension is not for any sort of substance abuse. Although air, I guess, is a substance and he abused that. But that is not for a substance abuse violation. He can't be with his team. That's just for a suspension for altering equipment, essentially. But if Carlos can, I think that's good for him. And it will help him because he's going to need he, he's already in stage two of the program if he is suspended for four weeks, which no nobody knew he was already in stage two to get a suspension. You must already be in stage two, which means a you've already failed some sort of test or B you've had some sort of behavior or volunteered yourself into the program into stage one. You can go read all this stuff online at the, uh, with the NFL CBA. It's all out there. I poured through it as much as I could yesterday to try to understand stage one, stage two because of all this. Because really, we haven't had somebody in Buffalo for a while that's been through this. So I wanted to make sure I was kind of clear on all of the 
different things that led up to it and the ramifications. And to get the suspension, you have to be in stage two already. And we don't know guys are in stage one. There could be bills right now in stage one that we don't know about. So, again, it's disappointing. Okay, so why does this happen? Well, here I think I think we have a case of a player who came into the league, had immediate success, and thought that it was just too easy, and it's going to be really easy, and going forward, that's all I need. I'm, I'm going to be fine. I could show up and do this again. That's not the case. And you just hope, and it's, and it's young guys. I mean, Jonathan Williams, right, goes out, gets a DWI. I mean, I don't know. I hope he hasn't never done that before, and I hope that it's one time that he made a really, 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 really horrible, had horrible judgment in that, that moment, that night. But oftentimes with cases like that, it's people who their whole lives have been able to get away with things, have been told yes and hardly ever no by people around them. And then finally someone says, well, I'm I'm not letting you get away with this. So I think that's what you have here when you have these situations. When I look at Carlos Williams, I look at a, a young man who, by the way, super energetic, great to be around. If you've ever had interactions, you've seen interviews with him. He's He's got a personality that attracts you to him. He's got a personality that really jumps out at you when he's in a room and he's talking. His teammates gravitate to him. He has fun in the locker room. I love that. I love that part about him. He also has a cockiness or arrogance about him that's not off-putting necessarily. I think it's needed in you know what he does for a living, but I think that cockiness and arrogance also can get to, hey, this was easy for me, and I'm just going to show up and do it again. Well, that's not the case. And now you hope, you can only hope, that maybe Carlos learned from this. And he learns that, hey, I can't just show up because I am going to be out of shape and overweight, and I am going to have to work off to the side and not work with my teammates. And I can't just, I can't make decisions to smoke marijuana or do some other type of drug or PEDs or whatever it is because there are rules I have to follow. And I can't just get away with things, even if I got away with them when I was younger. Now, sure enough, guys do get away with things when they're older and in the league. I get that. But you hope that that's the case. I'll always remind people this. And by the way, I'm not, when I say this, I'm not comparing the two as far as how good they are as football players or where their careers may go. But I always remind people when young people make mistakes, and it doesn't matter if it's in football or anything in life. It could be, you know, Brayton's a lot younger than I am. It could be Brayton if he makes a mistake and something happens. It could be anybody. I always remind people of this, especially with athletes. Bruce Smith was suspended four games three years into his NFL career for violating the league's substance abuse policy. People don't remember that or know that. Bruce Smith played way before, a little before your time, Brayton, and you know how great he was, but I, pro- I bet you didn't really know that about him. Not at all. He was suspended four games to start, I think it was 87, it might have been 88, uh, three years into his NFL career, 87, for violating the league's substance abuse policy. And there were people who thought at that time, what is this guy doing? Remember, in 85, when he came in, out of shape, wasn't a very hard worker, didn't really step up too much in 86, and suddenly this happened in 87 or 88. I can't remember. This happened. And again, I'm not saying that Carlos Williams is going to have any sort of career that Bruce Smith had, or I'm not comparing their uh, prospects as they come out of college. My point simply is people do have bad judgment when they're younger, and hopefully... 
And we see at times where they can learn from that and they can become much, much better people and athletes and better at their job and make better decisions and more mature. And you just hope that's the case here with this young man for what he did. Because he put the Bills in a bad situation, obviously. We'll get your thoughts on any of this if you want. We've got a lot to touch on today. My name's Sal Capaccio, by the way. Good to be here on Sports Talk Saturday. I'll be here this week. Matt's going to be in next week. And then we have training camp in two weeks from today. In fact, the Bills will be on the field two weeks from today at this very moment. They are on the field 10 to 12 on Saturday, July 30th. I'll be there watching practice. Matt will be on the air. I'm sure I'll talk with Matt right after practice. It'll be very, it'll be, it'll be excellent. It'll be, it'll be a great uh, time to be out there at St. John Fisher. But today I'm here. Next Saturday he's here. And then we got you covered for training camp throughout. And, you know, you'll hear from lots of different people, of course. 803-0550. I want to get your thoughts on the Carlos Williams situation. I want to get your thoughts on the Tom Brady situation, which we'll go over as well. 803-0550 at Cell Sports on Twitter if you want to chime in that way. There's also a whole heck of a lot of other things going on that I want to talk about today, including the franchise tag and how that turned out for all the guys, the seven guys who were tagged, the three who signed long-term deals yesterday, and the four who did not. And I'll run through each of them and tell you how I read what happened with them, whether it was good for them or good for the team and where they are in each situation. So I'll go through that. I saw the 30 for 30 on Doc and Daryl, the 86 Mets. Well, that, that the late 80s, early 90s Mets, but specifically them and then the careers. It was awesome. I think it's a, it's a great, great series, 30 for 30. Some I've liked more than others. This was not the best 30 for 30. It certainly wasn't something I didn't like, though. I liked it a lot, and we'll talk about that as we go forward as well, and if you want to uh, chime in. The ESPYs were on this past week. We'll touch on that and John Cena. I went on vacation. I was in Oregon for two weeks. Well, not two weeks, a little over a week, about eight, nine days. I was in Oregon, went to Seattle for a day. Had some interesting things go on out there I want to talk with you about and touch on. So we'll do all that as well. 803-0550-888-552-550. On Tom Brady. I am glad it's over. I mean, we all are, right? 544 days. And look, it is over. I know that the NFLPA will essentially still appeal to the Supreme Court on Brady's behalf. But... It's really all they're really doing is they want someone to say, you were right, the commissioner in the league were wrong. Even if that happens, Brady's still serving the suspension. All they're really doing, Brady's going to serve the suspension, and then afterwards it may go to the Supreme Court, and they want someone, they want a court to say, yes, you were right all along. And then it, he, he, he could recoup money, but he wouldn't recoup games, of course. So it is over. Brady is going to sit four games even if even with that actual appeal from the NFLPA to the Supreme Court, that will not affect him sitting four games. He will sit four games, which means he sits against the Buffalo Bills week four in New England. And I right here, as I sit here, tell you I expect the Bills to win that game. I do. There's no excuse. They need to win that game. They have to win that game. You're playing Jimmy Garoppolo. He's never started an NFL game. His most extensive work in any NFL game was the second half against the Bills in the finale two years ago when he went 10 of 17 and the game didn't mean anything to either team. And that was Doug Marone's last game. 
The Bills need to win that game. I expect them to win that game. And I said that on the radio to Chopin Bulldog. I had a few people tweet me to say, well, that's too lofty expectations. It's the Bills we're talking about. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is lofty. I don't care. I expect it, and they should expect it. You're playing Jimmy Garoppolo. You have Rex Ryan as your defensive coordinator. And, oh, yes, you do still have a, a good roster of players. The Bills have a good roster of players comparably to the rest of the conference, even the rest of the league. They have a good quarterback, one that made the Pro Bowl. However you say he may have you know, wound up getting there. They have an offensive coordinator coming back and a running game that was number one in the league last year. Hopefully they have Sammy Watkins healthy. They have a defense that absolutely slipped, but still has Rex Ryan and good some good players. And my point is, it's Jimmy Garoppolo, it's Rex Ryan. They need to win that game. I expect it. As far as Brady and Deflategate and the saga and the drama and it being over, I actually would not have blamed Brady if he kept going with it. I wouldn't. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad he's sitting for two reasons. I don't. It's just, it needs to be gone. It needs to be out of our thought process. It's over. It was soap opera entertainment, and I know the league thrives on that and sells on that, but it's gone on for 544 days. But the second reason I'm glad it's over is because I think it helps the Bills. And if you're a Bills fan, you should be happy that Tom Brady's not playing. I know what Marcel Darius said. That's different. He's a player. He's a competitor. I know he wants to win, but he also wants to face the best. And yes, I know there are Bills fans out there who say, you got to face the best. I, All things being equal, of course I'd love every team to be fully healthy with all of their players and then the Bills to have to, to beat all of them and go 16-0. That would be great. That's not the way the world works, though. This is about trying to win championships, trying to get to the playoffs. This is about trying to win nine or ten games. And you know how you have a better chance to win nine or ten games? If stinking Tom Brady's not on the field when when you play him one time. That's how you have a better chance. So you should be happy if you're a Bills fan that he's not playing. It gives the Bills a much, 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 much better chance to beat them. It doesn't mean they will, but I think they should. Boy, how about if you're the Jets, though? Brady gets four games. They play the Bills in one of them. They play the Dolphins in another. They don't play the Jets. If you're the Jets, you're like, dude, what do we got to do? If I'm tell- I kept thinking to myself, what if that was the Bills? Where last year they played in week two, he would have been suspended for that game. It gets overturned. And then all of a sudden he does get the four games this year, but they're not playing him. Oh, that w- You could have just imagined the reaction in Buffalo. Oh, it's... And nothing ever goes right for us. That's so Buffalo. By the way, happy 716 day. Today is 716. It's 716 day. All right, when we come back, I, I want your calls on this. If you want to chime in on Carlos Williams, if you want to chime in on Tom Brady, the offseason the Bills have had, we haven't even touched on, you know, what this means for, you know, Rex Ryan and what he said about winning the offseason and all that kind of stuff. If you want to do that, that's fine. 803 But when we come back, I'm going to run through the seven franchise-tagged players. How their situation turned out as of yesterday's deadline to sign a long-term deal. And I'll tell you whether that is good or bad for the player or the team and where each should go from here on Sports Talk Saturday. To the five and fell there. Denver's got the ball. Denver's got the ball. Newton has fumbled. 
Going to go through uh, the franchise tag players in a second. Von Miller, as you know, did sign a record-breaking deal yesterday. We'll do that in just a second, but first, Brayton Wilson, an update on the Open Championship, or as I like to call it, the freaking British Open. Can I still call it that, please? I, I think you can. I mean, a lot of people probably don't know what the Open is. I mean, it's only the Open now. It's not even the Open Championship. Are you kidding it's just me? just the Open. You're, you're kidding, right? That's serious? It's called the Open now? It's not even called the Open? What is the U.S. Open called? Just the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open. But if I say the Open, I think U.S. Open. Right. But All right, so I'm going to continue to call it the British Open. And I don't blame you. And if anybody who's listening from the PGA or anything like that disagrees, they are free to email my boss at the station. His name is Alan Davis. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, well, right now, Henrik Stenson leads the way at 12 under par. He's overtaken the lead. Over Phil Mickelson. Mickelson only one shot behind, though. Stenson so far shooting three under on the day through five holes. Right behind Phil Mickelson and Stenson is Bill Haas. He's had a pretty impressive day, three under through eight. Also, J.B. Holmes probably having the best day so far. No, it's early still. Through 11 holes, he is four under on the day, and now it's six under. He's in a four-way tie with Sergio. Tony Finau. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. And then also Soren Keldson. Looks like Finau. Finau, yeah. But that's that's well, your, here, that's your here's update the thing there. about Here's the thing about Mickelson. So Phil right now is one back after his incredible historic start. If Phil doesn't win this tournament, if like things stay the way they're kind of going, he did not collapse. And I, I don't think, I'm not saying any of you think he did, but don't think that. He's shot well. He's even shooting well today again. He's under par. But he had the historic first round, and then in the second round he shot two under, and then today, in round three he's one under again. So I, this couldn't be. This isn't on Phil if he doesn't win. This is on hey, that's the way golf is. And there was another person who basically just shot lights out. That nothing you could do about it. Right. There's there's certain times that you can just be hitting great shots and yeah. just getting it on the green and just making par or making a birdie every once in a while. And then there's other guys that just hit it better. And Henrik Stenson right now is arguably hitting it better than Phil Mickelson is. Oh yeah, and, and I hope I hope I do hope for Phil's sake though that we're not looking back tomorrow, late tomorrow, saying, Boy, if that eighteen footer would have dropped for the record, he would have won or been to playoff or whatever. That would stink because that thing should have went in, and he should have had the record, but he didn't. Uh, Phil's on right now. I have this on in the studio. Remember, it is in – it's it's overseas. It's across the pond, so uh, this is going on right now, and he is through five holes. So, all right, we got a few hours left here. We've got a couple – probably about two hours left of these guys golfing, I think, today. And, yeah, so by the time that we're done here, it'll well, no, probably be we wrapping should know, up. Yeah. So we'll keep you updated. Brayton will be all over that. We'll keep you updated throughout the day what's going on uh, with the British Open. And I will have, I'm scheduled to have Jeff Minas join me, by the way, at 1 p.m. to kind of talk about all of this. And as you know, Jeff is one of the hosts here of the golf show on WGRT to Green. So we will make sure that uh, you get all of your British Open filled today. No pun intended there. And we'll let you know what's going on. 803-0550, So yesterday was the deadline for franchise-tagged players in the National Football League to sign long-term deals. Here's how it works. If you did not sign a long-term deal with your club by 4 p.m. yesterday, if you, were, if you had the franchise tag on you, seven guys, and you did not sign a long-term deal, two years or more, I guess is what it, I don't think it, when I say long-term, usually you think more, but multi-year deal, 
If you didn't sign one by 4 p.m. yesterday, you can't this year. You can still sign your franchise tag and play on that on the one-year deal, which these guys will most likely do who didn't sign. But you can't sign a multi-year deal until after next season free agency begins again. That's how it works. Or at least until after the season. I have to check on that. But here are the guys. Brayton's going to run through them, and I'll tell you what they did, what their situation was. And a few of them play against the Bills this year. One of them's in the division. And I'll tell you what I think about the deal that he or he signed or didn't sign and what it means for the team and going forward. Go ahead. Well, the first guy that I'll bring up, of course, is the guy that we opened up this segment with, Von Miller. And Von, he is now the richest non-quarterback in NFL history. The deal is worth $114.5 million, $70 million guaranteed by March of next year, or in two years, March of 18. And this is a deal that, here. here's the way this one goes, all right? The Broncos don't have a franchise quarterback. They're kind of like the Bills, actually, where last year they went into the season saying, we're going to rely on defense to win, and we got a game manager at quarterback. It's hard, to, it's weird to say that with Peyton, but that's what they thought. That's what the Bills were going to do with Tyrod and a good defense. It worked out completely different for both teams, right? The Bills' defense fell apart. The offense was pretty good. For the Broncos, it was that way. Their defense was amazing. They got them to the Super Bowl. The quarterback was, eh. The Bills had better quarterback play than the Broncos did last year. So Von Miller's stance all along has been, hey, you don't have, we don't have a franchise quarterback. Guess who the franchise quote-unquote quarterback is? It's me on defense as an outside linebacker. Pay me like a quarterback. Broncos didn't want to do that. They finally had to. You can't let the Super Bowl MVP go. You can't let, arguably, the best defensive player in football go, maybe other than J.J. Watt. They didn't. They got him. It's a huge price to pay, and it's going to hurt them going forward with the cap, maybe when it does come time to sign a quarterback. But in the meantime, that's how they won last year, and they get back their best player. Up next on the list is Jets defensive end Muhammad Wilkerson. And what a surprise this was. I did not, no one saw this coming. The, all the Jets beat writers, everybody caught off guard, blindsided. Muhammad Wilkerson winds up signing his long-term deal. And he is going to, but here's the thing about Wilkerson. $85 million, 54 guaranteed over three years, 37 fully guaranteed. Yeah, that's a lot of money, but you know what? I think he's underpaid compared to what other people have signed for at his position. You think about what other defensive players have got in the market, and I think this is a great deal for the Jets, actually. The Jets did a really good job here, and I think the Jets have done a nice job on two different fronts now in the offseason with two of their players, one being Wilkerson, one being Fitz. Now they need to get Fitz in, but they called his bluff and it worked, and Fitz did not go to another team to make a bunch of money. This was going to be a bad situation. I was all over the Jets for how they were handling the Wilkerson situation, but now I think they get him for a good price for them. Five years, $85 million, 54 guaranteed. That is not outrageous. He's making, what, $16 million a year? I mean, what are we talking here? 15, 30, 45, 60, 75, and another, about 16, maybe $17 million a year. I don't have the exact you know breakdown in front of me. That's a good deal for the Jets. And now the Jets have, by the way, Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and Leonard Williams. Whew. That's a that's a that's a nice start to your front seven. And then you add Darren Lee, who they drafted in the in the in the first round. That's nice. So good for them. Uh we'll see where it goes though with Richardson. He was suspended for a game. Uh Leonard Williams is a guy they're gonna have for a while on a uh, on a rookie contract. 
All right, let's give the kickers a little love here. Justin Tucker yeah, of the Baltimore you know, Ravens. J- Justin Tucker, it's weird. He made this like stance of, I'm not going to play. The, you, the, the, the agent said, he's not going to play for you unless you sign a long-term contract. He's not playing under the franchise tag. He's a kicker. The, yet they signed him. They gave in. And he's getting, as a kicker, $16.8 million for four years, ten point eight guaranteed, $6 million signing bonus. I looked up the kicker salaries, Brayton. He is going to be the second highest paid per average kicker per year behind Steven Gaskowski. But I am totally against paying a kicker $4.2 million a year. I'm sorry. Kicker's now a good one. You you, you might have to pay two and a half to $3 million. Heck, the Bills are actually paying that to Dan Carpenter now. He took a pay cut to stay with the Bills. Over $4 million for a kicker? Save that money. I know he's good. I think this is not smart allocation of your cap dollars right here by the Ravens, a team that needs more offense and a team that has their starting quarterback coming back from major ACL damage. All right, back to the quarterback discussion. Mm. Kirk Cousins. Okay, this is really interesting. Very similar situation between Cousins and the Redskins and the Bills with Tyrod Taylor. This comes down to both of these teams just need to see more. I don't think either team is unwilling to pay big money to this quarterback, whether it's Cousins with the Redskins or Taylor with the Bills, but they need to see more before they commit those dollars. All right, so we'll put Taylor off to the side. We've had plenty of discussions. We will going forward. As far as Cousins, if he had accepted the deal that they had offered him back a while back, I think a couple months ago, he would have averaged 21st in annual salary in quarterbacks. And guess what? If you if you think I'm good enough to put the franchise tag on me, I'm not signing for that. And he didn't. So we'll see where this goes. Here's the thing that's really funny about this situation. I think the Redskins just didn't care if he signed. They didn't want him to sign a long-term deal. The Redskins wanted him, want him. This worked out exactly the way they wanted. They want him to play on the one-year franchise tag. They do not want to sign him to a long-term deal because after that one-year franchise tag, then they can evaluate. Now, there is a risk involved, there's no doubt, because it's very expensive to tag him again if they want to do that. But this is exactly what the Redskins wanted. They did not want to sign him to a long-term deal. They wanted to sign him, to have him play on the franchise tag, and then maybe and then see where it goes from there. The difference between that situation and the Bills, though, he cannot sign a deal during the year, remember. Kirk Cousins can't. Tyrod Taylor can and very well might. We'll see where this goes. This was good for the Redskins, how it turned out. Up next is safety Eric Berry of the Kansas City Chiefs. I was surprised when they tagged him, not because he's not a really good player, but he had the comeback from from cancer, which was an amazing comeback, comeback player of the year. He's a very, very good player, but the Chiefs messed up here, Brayton. You know what they did? I don't know if you heard this yet, but... Reportedly, Mike Garofalo of NFL Network reported, or Fox Sports, excuse me, reported, the Chiefs wanted Barry to pay for a disability insurance policy that would have named the team the beneficiary. So, hey, you get insurance out on you, and if something happens, we get the money from the insurance. What? That is not a good negotiating tactic. It backfired on them. They ultimately pulled that. I don't blame Eric Berry for saying, heck with you guys. Why are you treating me like that? Players don't like the franchise tag to begin with because they want to shop their services around and have more uh, a chance to have better security. But that was a bad play. That was dirty pull by the Chiefs. I don't blame Eric Berry for not signing that. I'm on Eric Berry's side here, and I think Eric Berry should just go out there and ball as much as he can and get paid next year. 
Up next is wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey of the Chicago Bears. I see both sides here. I really do. Alshon Jeffrey is their best receiver, but he has an injury history, and I would not want to commit huge, huge, huge dollars to him, but I want to pay him enough money that he's happy and he can be with my team. But if I'm Alshon Jeffrey, I'm like, dude, I'm your number one. You got to pay me like a number one. And they don't want to do that. So right now, he's going to get... 14.6 on the franchise tag. They'd like to have him at a lesser number, but he says, hey, that's what number one receivers get in this league now, so you need to pay me number one. I see both sides here. I do. I think eventually they'll come to an agreement. It's going to take a year. Obviously, now he can't come to a long-term agreement between them. I can't see necessarily Jeffrey making a – here's what's got to happen for him. He has to stay healthy, and he has to have a monster season. Then, then Then he might walk. But they could very well then say, hey, you know, we messed up and we're going to overpay for you now to keep you. But if his if his uh, injury history pops up again, you know, then the Bears do hold the cards. This is an interesting one to watch going forward. And last but not least, cornerback Tremaine Johnson of the Los Angeles Rams. This was also interesting. They have a really good defense. Uh, they have a great front seven, maybe the best front seven in the league. And they had a corner last year who was very good as well who wound up leaving and signing Janoris Jenkins with the New York Giants and Janoris Jenkins signed a big deal to leave they could have chosen to franchise tag Janoris Jenkins they chose to franchise franchise Tremaine Johnson and the reason from what I understand the reason they chose Tremaine Johnson over Jenkins is he would be easier to actually sign but that did not happen here so we'll see where this goes he's going to make 13.9 million dollars on the franchise tag look the Rams are a team that is in a good situation. Some teams have this right now, where they have what they consider a franchise quarterback because they just drafted him number one overall, Jared Goff, but they're not paying him franchise money necessarily. They're giving him, he's on his rookie deal. That's a good deal for them. So when a team is in that situation, like the Seahawks were a couple years ago with Russell Wilson, and I'm not, I don't know if Goff will be good or not, but you know we'll see. But when a team is in that situation, it's really good for them because they can take all the dollars they're saving on their quarterback for three, four years, really, and put it towards other positions. So this is not wasted money for, for, for the Rams to spend on Tremaine Johnson. It's there for him. They want to keep him. I think they'll be fine even if he, they wind up losing him. But for this one year, he's part of a really good defense. I think the Rams are doing it right here. Hey, we got, we got our quarterback, we think, for the next few years. We're paying him on a rookie deal. Let's make sure we spend the money elsewhere. That's what they did here. Muhammad Wilkerson, I think that was a good deal for the New York Jets to get him on what they did, and he will now be playing against the Bills with Sheldon Richardson and Leonard Williams week two in Buffalo. By the way, that's where his season ended last year when he broke his leg in that season finale, remember, against the Bills. All right, we'll take a timeout. Uh, When we come back, I went on vacation. I was in Oregon. I was in Seattle. Some cool things that I want to touch on and get to that went down that uh, we'll talk about, including... Something I think that I'd like to see, you know, more cities do and maybe more do. I just, I know we don't necessarily in Buffalo. So I'll tell you what that is. And maybe uh, you've experienced this in other cities and it's pretty cool for you. We win. All right, we win. But I don't feel like I really won until we beat the guy. I love playing against Brady. It's just, I get up for him. I've been playing against him every year and he, he knows, he knows I'm coming. So... For him not to be out there just kind of tears me up a little bit. But the second time I see him, right, we're going to be excited to play against him. That's the win we want. Marcel Darius on NFL Network. And again, I, I, I think every player 
who's a competitor, especially on defense, wants to play Brady. They want to sack him. They want to beat him. There's no doubt. But if you're a Bills fan, you should be happy that Tom Brady's not playing. Gives the Bills a much, much, much better chance to beat them, and that's what it's about. Trying to win games. Because no one keeps you out of the playoffs at the end of the year if you have 10 wins and two of them or three of them came against teams that lost star players. No one says, oh, you can't go to the playoffs because you beat that one team and they didn't have the quarterback. And no one puts teams into the playoffs because they lost games against teams that had all their complement of good players. It's the way it works. Let's go out to Lou in a car. Hi, Lou. You're on WGR. How you doing, Seth? Good, thanks. You know, I have to agree with Washington. Good. I mean, I don't really think they know what they have in this guy. So they really actually saved themselves a boatload of money. And if they have to pay him more in a bigger contract next year, well, then obviously he's done something this year. But chances of them winning this NFC East, if they all stay healthy, I don't think it's going to happen. So nine and seven isn't isn't worth that long, long contract. I don't know what you think. I I, I agree with what Washington did as well. I I think you're right. I I would have. I would have done it exactly how they did it. They did not want to sign him to a long-term deal. That's why they lowballed him on long-term deals. They knew he wouldn't sign that deal. And they said, look, play on the franchise tag and prove it for one year. We can eat the $19 million. And I don't care if the Bills do that with Tyrod Taylor. The same boat. I mean, I'm not going to throw away uh, long-term money and be in salary cap jail if this guy just has one good year. See you later. Yeah, and you know, but the the benefit the Bills have, Lou, if they do that, the benefit they have is they would have one more year this year to know that before they even decide on that franchise tag. Whereas Cousins had one year, now you'd have two with Tyrod. But the risk of that is that franchise tag money next year is going to go up to about twenty two million. Yeah, I could see that, but you know what? If he does well, we win the yep. AFC East. It takes us far into the playoffs. I'll pay him that kind of money. Totally agree with you, Lou. Thank you, man. Have a great weekend. All right, yeah, I, I think the Redskins played this right. And we'll, we can see, look, anything, a lot can happen in a year, a lot. But the Redskins played it right because of that. And look, he could have a great year and skyrocket. You know what they do? They pay him then. Then they pay him. They'll give him, the, they'll give him a big, big contract. So Seattle for a day. I was in Portland for about couple days drove to seattle for one day about a three-hour drive i wasn't in portland i was south of portland sorry it's about a two and a half hour drive i think from portland itself i was a little south of that drove to seattle spent the day there walked around my wife and i we love going to different cities new cities and just walking the cities we love walking around we love experiencing new cities seeing what they're like i gotta tell you i love seattle it was great really cool city to be a part of uh walk around great Sight lines, if you will, when you're up on top, there's a, a building we went up on top of the roof that's right on the water. You can see over the water on one side, you can see the skyline on the other. We went down to the market, the uh, Seattle, the marketplace there downtown where they throw the fish. That was cool. You see it on TV all the time. Really loved it. But but one of the things we love to do when we go to these cities is go to visit the stadiums that they have. Football stadium, baseball stadium. And in Seattle, they're right next door to each other. CenturyLink, Safeco. And I mean, literally, you could walk from your bedroom to your bathroom in most houses. That's how close they were to each other. It, it was like you could touch one or the other in an alleyway. It, it, it's pretty cool. I like that. That's the way the downtown is set up. 
But really what I loved about it was when you went to Safeco, it wasn't open, but they actually had some parts of it that you could see through because the the, the gates were down, but you could see into the stadium. Now, that was, that was kind of cool. Oh, there's Safeco. I'd never been to Safeco. I'd never been to Seattle. I will be there for the Bills Monday night game, November 7th. But we kind of looked at that. Then we walked around, went to CenturyLink, and the best part was the outer gates of CenturyLink were open. The outer gates of CenturyLink were open. We went inside, went up the steps to the inner gates, which basically were right above the field. And we were able to look at the field. It was set up for soccer. I loved it. I said, man, this is cool. I know there's security elements involved and things like that. This was on a Wednesday afternoon. And it'd be pretty cool if other cities did that. And I don't know if they do, if they just have their stadiums kind of open like that for people to visit. But I got a taste of what that field is, and I'll be there. But if I wasn't, I would say, hey, at least I got to see it once. And we went inside, and we could actually get right up to kind of where the, the I guess you'd say the, um, uh, what deck would you call that there? The club deck, the club seating deck. We, we were right there looking down on the field. It was pretty cool. And the outer gates, they could be closed, and they could tell you no. And I know that you know if you go to the Ralph right now, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Never try, but I would think you couldn't actually get in the outer gates. But they actually had those open. The public was just walking freely. There was no security, no nobody. We walked right up the stairs. There were other people there. They were eating lunch on the steps. Walked up, right at the club level, looked down. It was pretty cool. Really liked it, enjoyed it, and looking forward to the uh, game November 7th when the Bills play there. It'll be a much different feel. There will be a lot more people there and a lot more security for sure. Did you watch the ESPYs? I did. And I'm going to have a bit of a different take on them than maybe what you're used to. Because I'm not going to go for the whole, this is how I'm supposed to feel deal when we come back on WGR. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 